Time is brought to you by Lexus of Memphis. Here are your hosts, Brett Stats Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome in to Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you on a Wednesday afternoon. A lot to get to over the next three hours. Johnny Hill producing for us today as always. And uh, like I said, a lot to get to today. Grizzlies lose another one on the road last night in L.A. we got to talk more about the Tigers uh, and their big game this weekend against SMU. going to talk some basketball, going to talk some national college football, some NFL. Got a lot to get to today. But Brett, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing well, Brian. How much of the Grizzlies game did you stay up for? Did huh. you stay up for when the clock hit zero? Uh-huh. You know, I stayed up for the entire uh, game. I have a buddy, the same buddy you would. that uh, made us leave the uh, the Tigers game early. Um, he does not get Bally Sports. And whatever television um, package he has, he doesn't get the Bally Sports. All right, Sports tell me channels. how he let you down this time. No, no, he didn't let me down. Oh, good. It was like the fourth quarter, and I was like... I gotta be up at like seven o'clock in the morning, and I think I'm gonna check out and go to bed. And he was like, "No, no, 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 we can't go and to bed." It yet. felt like two o'clock. It at felt that point. it felt so late, and uh, and he was like, "No, no, no, we gotta watch the entire game because I can't watch it unless I'm here." And I was like, "Fine, whatever." So we watched the entire game. Um, he said, "It'll get better. It'll get better." Because at this point, the Grizzlies had like made it like an 18 point game. And he was like, "They're coming back. They're coming back." And I was like, "No, they're not. They're they're not. They're not coming back." And uh, sure enough, they did not. It was an ugly game. Um, but, yeah, I watched the entire thing. What, how long did you get? I don't really know. It was at some point that it was – It's one of those I, was, one of I those felt like games. I was hallucinating, uh-huh. and it was so bad. And I wish you were had, hallucinating. It, it was, in many ways, the worst game of the year. Yeah. Because now more injury, mm-hmm. more questions, more uncertainty – there's just a whole lot of year left. There's yeah. a lot of time left before Jaws return. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are we down on the counter to? 15 games? Is that right? Two and nine after 25, 14. Yeah, 14 games. Okay. So, I mean, 14 games. That's a, that's a lot of games with what? I mean, how many games have they played? You said 11 games? Nine and two or two and nine? Two and nine. Uh, this 11 games has felt like it's been about 50. And um, and so, I mean, who knows what's what's in store for the next 14 Three weeks ago today was opening day. Hmm. Feels like a lot longer. It's been that, that, that type been of start painful. of the year. It's been a painful that, start. That has been painful. I I would have never believed this. I no. thought, okay, I could I could see some stumbling sure. start. But a little, yeah. I was thinking oh, at this point, okay, five and six, six mm-hmm. five, something like that. But never did I imagine this. And I'm afraid it's. We, We've got a, a a long path ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it could get really ugly and um, uglier. Uh, ugly, yeah, it's already ugly. That's a good point. Um, it could get uglier, and with the injuries, I mean, they continue to stack up. It seems like when you start getting healthy, more guys get injured. And last night it was it was Marcus Smart, it was Luke Kennard again, and uh, you know now they've they've already said Jake Laravia. They've called him back up. Um, to the Grizzlies, he just played earlier today. The Hustle played uh, the Oklahoma City Blue earlier today, lost by uh, by two. Um, but you know, Jake Laravia had 31 points, but three for seven from three, and, and everyone talks about that three point shot from him. I just don't know if you're gonna if you're gonna get that. And so it's you're right; it could get much uglier. And with 14 games left, I mean, that could feel like 50 games. He he's symbolic of the questions going forward for the Grizzlies mm. because if he's at all an answer, you got too many questions. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, no. He is, he's not, it doesn't seem like he is going to be an answer for really any of your issues right now. And really, you know, I go back to what we've been saying for a while now. I mean, it seems like this, we've played this game with Jake, Jake, with Jake LaRavia before where, okay, send him down to the G League. Um, he has some good games. Everyone gets, you know, excited again for what he could do. You bring him back up, and he doesn't do anything for the Grizzlies. And I saw him earlier this season, when before the G League season started, and he wasn't even getting looked to on the bench. I mean, there were some games that the Grizzlies were struggling, and they could use a shooter. They could use a guy out there to try to knock down shots, and, and you know, he was getting nine minutes a game, seven minutes a game. They just weren't um, looking his direction, and, and you know, now they're going to have to look in his direction because you're getting, you're getting awfully thin. Never mind like we do for college football and even attempt to do for a Tiger basketball schedule. We never mm-hmm. go the, the full 82. Right. There's no way to – Brian, if we just had to do it for the next four, <laughs> two at home, two on the road, starting with Saturday at San Antonio, home against Boston on Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon, so a back-to-back, a week from tonight at Houston, and then the Friday night after Thanksgiving at yeah. home at FedEx Forum against Phoenix. The – the possibilities are the two roadies. Man, isn't that crazy? And with loss to Boston and loss to Phoenix, just over these next four, yeah. that's over at home to start the year. Yeah. I mean, they just can't get anything going at home. And, and like you said, I mean, two extremely tough uh, opponents in the next two. And, and those road Never games mind going either. 10 out and 15 yeah. and 20 four. out. You know, it, just four. Mm. Is super daunting. Yeah. Brad, I saw this. I, I want to point this out when we're talking about roster and injuries and everything that's going on. Uh, DeMichael Cole had a tweet about 15 minutes or so ago. DeMichael joins us every Monday uh, afternoon to talk Grizzlies. And he had the uh, the Grizzlies 16-man roster uh, minus the two-way contract. So guards, Morant, Rose, Smart, Bang, Kennard, Wings, Williams, Roddy, Laravia, Conchar, Biggs, Jackson, Aldama, Tillman, Biombo, Clark, Adams, and Lofton. Out of all of those players, I just named 16 of them, 16-man roster, um, one, two, three, four have been healthy or active for uh, all 11 games to start the season. Well, right there is the answer of of any consideration given to firing Taylor Jenkins. I just don't think in, in, anything approaching a fair-minded world no. could you fire somebody facing that much adversity. Four. Four players have been active and healthy for the entire start of the season. I, I, don't, want, I, don't, want, I don't want anybody hurt. The no. Grizzlies can't take much more. But really, one, one, more, one more significant injury – Insulates Taylor Jenkins. There's no way you could fire him. I mean, it, it would seem like it. those those four players, by the way, um, that have been healthy: Desmond Bain, um, David Roddy, uh, Jaron Jackson, and Kenny Lofton. Those are the only four guys that have been um, healthy for all eleven games. I mean, it's just been that type of year, and it seems like we talk about it after every game. After every time we get a new status report, it's oh, okay. X players is back on on the injury list. Oh, X players now on the list. We can't get healthy. It seems like one gets healthy and and two more get injured, and that's kind of what happened last night when when you lost both Kennard and uh, and Marcus Smart with with injuries. And for Marcus Smart, it looks like it could be a couple of games for him. How much college basketball did you watch last night? Um, I watched 
a lot of the Champions Classic. I did too. Um, and I, I was peeking in on uh, on the Marquette game, and then I was peeking in on the Creighton game. But those were really kind of the only ones I watched last night. Yeah, kind of trying to keep up with it all, but mm. primarily on the two games in Chicago. Yeah. And, and for the life of me, I still can't figure out why in the Kentucky game yeah. that Dillingham did not have a shot did not attempt a field goal over the last 17 yeah. minutes of the game and why DJ Wagner mm-hmm. played significantly more time than Dillingham. Yeah, DJ Wagner one for 12 and and part of that and just know, kept jacking. And just kept jacking. Now, I will say this, and I said this with John earlier. I mean, 1 for 12 is, is not good. 0 for 3 from from 3 is not good. Only 4 points is not good, but the way he moves around out there, I mean, he he okay, he's a he good moves player. good. He, he moves well. <laughs> that's great. But I need the ball going yeah, through the basket. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, orange ball through orange goal. That's that's the rules, Brad. I mean, that's how that's how the game works. But no, I mean, Dillingham. Part of that was was um, uh, fouling. A you know fouled out late in the game, but still, you're right. I mean, you would think you would continue to go to him. Such a great game. Sixteen fifty two mark was yeah, his last field goal. That's crazy. I mean, that's that's insane. You got to keep going to him. And it seemed like. There, you know, around that point in the in the second half, a little bit later, he didn't time. He didn't foul out with sixteen minutes no, to go. No, he did not. Uh, it was way later in the game. But I mean, it it looked like um, you know Kentucky got on a little bit of run there, uh, had the lead before you know Kansas came back and, and won that game. That game was fun. I mean, both of those teams I thought um, were were really fun to watch. And, and that it was, was in kind of a little scrappy, plucky little moral victory for Big Blue, I mean, wasn't it? For Kentucky, I mean you. You see their fans and some of the response, you know, hey, way to go. Yeah, I mean. I didn't know Kentucky played for that. I I didn't either, Um, but I did. I told John earlier today, I said, you know, I feel like tomatoes are about to be hurled at me, but this Kentucky team's kind of fun to watch. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching them last night. I, I did too, but I enjoyed watching Kansas more. Well, no, I I, I did that. And but, you know, Bill Self in a close game down the stretch against Cal, yeah. and we kind of. Kind of show me something. I, I I wish I could be loved as much as Cal loves the Wagner family. He does. He does love the Wagners. Um. And, if, and I don't need anybody to say that makes him feel old. That Wani's got a son playing college basketball, <laughs> or, or that uh, Jeff Shepard's got a son oh, yeah. playing college basketball. For me, it's Milt Wagner's got a grandson yeah, playing uh-huh, college uh-huh, basketball. Yep, 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 yep. DJ, and uh, like you said, not not a great performance from here. Shepard had a good game uh, off the bench as well, though. It was really he him did. And, him and Dillingham off the bench. And I saw a lot and of people Shepherd saying he Shepard is fun to watch. Yeah, Dillingham is fun, fun to watch. To watch. Oh, Dillingham first half, I mean, heat check city. Yeah, no, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, went on kind of that that little stretch where, I mean, he was knocking down everything, and they were going to him often. And then, like you said, I mean, didn't take a single shot with the last seventeen minutes. You said, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. But uh, but no, I mean, and not a lot of size for Kentucky. They're missing a lot of their big men, and so uh, really uh, kind of undermanned rebound wise. But I thought uh, Adu uh, Thierro had a really good game rebound, about six eight um, small forward. Uh, I thought he played really well. Finished with sixteen points, thirteen rebounds. But on the other side. Um, what Dickinson did last night, 27 points, 21 rebounds. I mean, he is a, he's a grown man down there. He, he is. And, and, and Kansas had a good strategy feeding him. Yeah. yeah. And, and it worked and, and they were forcing, you know, you mentioned it earlier, um, kind of the, the shooting woes for Kentucky, uh, took 38 three pointers in that game last night. And it, and it really seemed like, uh, 
like Kansas was kind of you know daring them to to take the three ball. You know they were they were leaving a lot of guys open, letting them shoot. Uh, Antonio Reeves had 17 three point attempts last night in that game, which is way too many. Um, but I mean they were just kind of daring them to shoot the three, and it it, it went falling for for Kentucky and, and Kentucky Kansas, took the bait. Yeah, they sure did. I mean they were they were chunking them. They were letting them. It was fly. almost like all those times Tony Allen almost had that look on his face of right. look how wide open I I'm am. Gonna shoot it. There, <laughs> there, there's a reason, Tony. The other yeah. team's begging you to shoot. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 begging them. But no, I thought I thought that was the um you know that was the fun game of the night between those those two big time games. But that any big outrage from the Tuesday night reveal from the college football playoff? No, no, I, me either. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad George is number one. I mean, I think they, they deserve okay. that. But you know, other play than that, whatever. You know, it's doesn't really, doesn't really phase me any. We've, we've, we've always had a playoff in college football. Yep. We just never had a, a big bracket. Now next year we're going to have a big bracket. Now we, we have four. But all this will sort it out. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, have, have you seen any on social media or anything outrage after this one? I'm waiting for the. It doesn't seem like we haven't gotten much outrage. This I want to say my Bama friends are just this shy of okay. outrage alert. Okay. Okay. I think they are. And just like last year, first of all, last year was two losses. Sure. Two, two. Not one, mm-hmm. but two. Yep, two. Uh, so, but last year, any conversation, as long as Tennessee had two or less wins, what happened on the field right. in Neyland takes precedent. Mm-hmm. And this year, on the field against Texas at Bryant-Denny in a 10-point game that felt like 20, but I'll just go with the final result. Sure. It was 10. That makes Texas better. That it makes sure Texas does. have priority. Yeah, it does. How the cookie crumbles. What we say, we, we had this conversation yesterday. Brett, the head-to-head has to mean something. Doesn't it? It should. And, 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 and I, I think it will. And there's even a chance for a one-loss SEC champion being Alabama and the SEC not having a representative in the college football playoff. And if it falls out that way, that's the way it falls. If it falls out two from the Big Ten, that's the way it falls. And and, and, and if it it shook out three from the Pac-12, then that's how it happens. We knew when the college football playoff was drawn up, four spots, five power conferences. Yep. Somebody's being left out. Someone's going to be left out. At least out. one. Yeah. At least one, At and least. often it's been more than that. Yeah. And, and and I, I don't I don't think we ever have needed a fixed number. But no, no, you can't have more than one. No, if it falls that way, or yeah. if it falls zero, that that's the, that's the breaks. That's right. And, and and Brett, let's be honest. I mean, no matter how the cookie crumbles. At the end, we're all going to watch these playoff games, and we're all sure going to be we entertained by by what's going on in them. And, and my position here's what's really unique about my position: it hadn't changed whether the SEC is going to get one, yep. two, or three, or four, or if they get zero. The best go. That's right. And, and not 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 everybody's position's always been that. No, no, far from it. I would think for for a lot of people, but no, I, I didn't have uh, much outrage at all about about the reveal last night. But let me set up today's show before we get to top and not top story of the day. 3.30, Richard Cross from Sports Talk Mississippi. He's going to join us. He's also an ESPN announcer for AAC football. He's been on a ton of American Athletic Conference games, including this past weekend, Memphis versus Charlotte. So he's going to join us, talk about what he saw in that game from the Tigers, the road ahead for the Tigers um, as, as they're Big game this weekend, and they're looking to make that AAC championship game. 345, we'll get back into the uh, conversation. 
conversation about the Grizzlies and their loss last night to the Lakers, a lopsided loss to the Lakers. Four o'clock, David Cohn, the co-host of Crane & Company, will join us to talk college football. we got to talk uh, a ton of, of everything that's really going down across the country in college football. We'll also have to get his thoughts on the suspension for Jim Harbaugh, as that's his uh, alum at, uh, at Michigan's where he played. So we'll get his thoughts on that decision that came down last Friday. 4.30, we'll take a look at the college football and NFL lines for this weekend. 4.45, we get to big number of the day. 5 o'clock, Kevin Sweeney, uh, CBB underscore Central on Twitter. Also at Sports Illustrated will join us to talk college basketball. At 5.30, we'll get to what's trending. And at 5.45, we'll wrap up today's show like we always do with Taco Bell Crunch Time. Let me remind you, we're in our Family Leisure Studios where family and fun come together. The Overstock Sale. Family Leisure needs your help to clear out their Overstock inventory. Select patio sets up to 50% off. Play gyms under $2,000. Extended sale pricing on all in-stock hot tubs and swim spas. Their winter pool closing items now up to 30% off Family Leisure. Also has pool tables and game room items up to $700 off of those in-stock items. And they've got you covered for saunas, massage chairs, arcades, and theater seats. All with free delivery and that special financing. It's still available, but only at Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Our producer is Johnny Hill. We're Sports Time with Bryant Dacus and Brett Norsworthy, and we're with you until 6 o'clock, and you can join our show by calling or texting 901-360-8255. This hour of our show brought to you every day by Lexus of Memphis at 2600 Ridgeway and online at LexusofMemphis.com. Great offers on all the remaining 2023s as the 2024s are taking over, but always special leasing options. Happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving from the one and only Lexus dealership in town. You can call them at 901-334-9673. Drive in luxury and confidence, knowing that every new Lexus comes with complimentary first and second maintenance services. Stop by Lexus of Memphis at 2600 Ridgeway and put yourself in the driver's seat of the all-new 2023 or 2024 flagship LS500, and you'll be looking, but better than that, you'll be driving in style. When you purchase a Lexus, you get top-of-the-line engineering and design, and they make for the luxury driving experience. Online at LexusofMemphis.com. Experience amazing. Experience amazing at Lexus of Memphis. Top story of the day. Well, my top story of the day is the Grizzlies game last night. A 134 to 107 loss against the Los Angeles Lakers. They fall to two and nine on the season. The Lakers improve to six and five. And really, I mean, when you look at what happened in that game, it was uh, the three point shooting. The Lakers uh, on 35 three point attempts shot 62.9. Everyone was getting involved. D'Angelo Russell, 6 for 8 from 3. LeBron James, 3 for 6. Cam Reddish, 3 for 5. Those were uh, the guys in the starting lineup. Brett, your favorite, Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves, both perfect from 3 last night. Hachimura, 3 for 3 from 3. And Austin Reeves, 4 for 4 from behind the arc. And, uh, I mean, just a a rough game for the Grizzlies. And I've noticed, I've seen some people point it out, uh, out 
on social media, and I've seen, uh, I'm starting to notice it in games, but you're seeing the Grizzlies defensively. A lot of people are asking, what is the what is the problem with this team? Why are, it seems like every opponent they play is having the three-point shooting night of their lives, and what I'm noticing is a lot of times the Grizzlies, they're not switching on screens, and they're going under the pick, kind of leaving that shooter wide open instead of going over and trying to, to get them you know, funnel them into the paint where you've got Jaron and now Bismack Biombo down there. And so they're leaving a lot of guys open. They're over-committing at times and leaving open shooters in the corners. And their other teams are, are knocking down those open shots. But when you look at, at the Grizzlies, it really became late in the second quarter, early in the third quarter, it became the Grizzlies just trying to chase the Lakers with threes. It feels like we've said that game after game. They're just chasing Vicious the threes. cycle. And last night, 53 uh, three-point attempts for the Grizzlies. That's way too many for this Grizzlies team. The shot just went falling. It was a it was really a bad night all around. Then you add in Marcus Smart getting injured early in that game. Luke Kennard also getting injured in that game, and it, it just was not uh, a good performance at all. It was, it was very brutal last night in L.A. for the Grizzlies. It was, and on the last Grizzlies lead only led twice, three-zip, and I think the last lead was 6-5. Wow. That's incredible. All night long. All night long. That's Lionel Richie. He lives there at L.A. Country Club. He could be singing the song. (laughs) My top story, is this the lowest point in Grizzlies history? I know there have been worse starts. but We could could be toting up in a few games after 25, after 30. We could be there. Mm. Blasted by the Lakers to fall to 2-9. and Blasted again by the Lakers. Remember that playoff exit? That was one more disaster. That was by 40 in the first round. But I think I led the the siren song on this one. Mm-hmm. But we'll get them next year. We're young. Got a superstar. Got a whiz kid front office. They all went to the right schools. <laughs> got a solid coach. I think I said all that yeah. last April. Things have drastically changed. Now this, and it's going, I'm afraid, to get a lot worse. This was supposed to be the prime years for the Grizzlies. Really, the end of 22 and the end of 23, 24, 25, that was a year that we were thinking, NBA Finals, win it all, parade. Yeah. Oh, that seems that that seems like just f- foolish yeah. thinking now. There, there's a lot of ways for things to come un, undone, and it, they usually happen quickly, and this one, it, it has. Uh, I know it. I, I know it's going to be a big, robust, you know, nine hundred one welcome back the night that Ja returns. It should be. Mm-hmm. It should be. You got to support your your team. But that night, when you're when you're doing that, when it's that big two minute standing O for him, yeah. he's going to be standing out there, one of the primary people responsible mm. for this start. Not top story of the day. Well, my not top story of the day is the night of college basketball that we had last night. A little overshadowed by the Grizzlies game. Now, that game was a late night game, so hopefully everybody uh, was able to watch at least the early games before that late night. It was, I thought it was a really, really fun night of basketball. It started off uh, up in Chicago with the St. Farb Champions Classic. Duke gets a 74-65 to win over Michigan State. That was a, a fun game. A little bit slower, I thought, than the Kentucky-Kansas game that followed an 89-84 to win by uh, by Kansas, and I thought was a, a really fun game. I think both these teams 
are fun to watch, and Kansas really has some playmakers. They're older. Um, they're, they're more physical. They had um, bigger guys in the paint. Uh, to combat kind of the size mismatch against Kentucky. But some other games that really caught my eye, Marquette with a win on the road against a ranked Illinois team, a 71-64 to win for Marquette. I thought Marquette looked really, really good last night. Tennessee gets a big win over Wofford. Creighton gets a, a win over Iowa. And for the Tigers, they're, I guess, new conference foe, Florida Atlantic with a 100-57 to win over Eastern Michigan. So I thought it was a really fun night uh, of college basketball last night. Not a great night tonight, but it will start improving as we get closer to the weekend. Did you catch the theme during the broadcast last night about Jay Billis and his any conversation, any commentary about Kyle Filipowski? Mm. Did, did you notice it? I, I noticed a little bit of it. What, what do you think the thread was? What, what do you think he was stressing that Kyle, how Kyle Filipowski would play this year physically, that he's he's going to be physical, yeah. that he's going to be rough, he's uh-huh. going to be brawny. Wait a second, Jay. Wait a second. When Tennessee was rough and tumble against him, yeah. you all but declared it uh-huh. un- unfair. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, no fouls being called. They were too rough. Yeah, too, too rough for for. That. Did, did did you catch that 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 yeah. central theme of Billis last uh-huh. night about him? Now that you bring it up, he did talk about it a lot all night, oh, all man. night. That's all he was talking about, and he he, he didn't like it when when he got it from Tennessee <laughs> back in the tournament. My not top story: Georgia, the new number one in the CFP poll. No surprise there, and they're deserving. Most of this will, uh, all of this will play out. Georgia at Tennessee, and then at Georgia Tech, and then the SEC championship game. Against Bama, Ohio State and Michigan sorts out a lot. FSU, they've got to win out. If they remain undefeated, I think they'll punch a ticket as undefeated ACC champions. Washington and Oregon will probably rematch. Texas has been wobbly, but they can't lose. If they win out, I think they will have dibs, should have dibs over Alabama. We all look forward to next year and the promise of, of, of hope for a lot of teams. But last weekend, I saw in person the difference between 2 and 9. Now, this week, that's the difference between 1 and 13. It's going to be so much fun to say we went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. How much fun through the years will it be watching that 5 versus 12 and 6 mm-hmm. versus 11, and even in that next round, 1 pounding 8, because we've seen these blowouts yeah. just with four teams. I, I hope that satisfies people. I think through the years, they won't be as satisfied as they think they are. Mm. It's an interesting take. John had kind of a similar take earlier talking about how teams are ranked and how the 12-team playoff will affect teams and and how they're ranked and how some of these regular season games might not matter as much and and conference championships might not matter as much when you have a 12-team playoff rather than a 14-team playoff. It may not matter as much, but it will matter for seeding. Oh, absolutely. And I think his his biggest point was when you look at it this year and you look at a team like Missouri, or he said the big game Ohio State and and Michigan, that right now it might be a a playoff game. I mean, the team that loses might not make that uh, that four-team playoff, but next year you, you know if they're both that high um, they're going to make it so it's interesting I mean it's going to be completely different world really in in college football next season when we have a 12 team playoff but they'll do it for top and not top story of the day let's go ahead and get to our first break of the day when we come back we'll talk tiger football with Richard Cross that's next on sports time join the voice of the tigers Dave Woloshin for Wolo and friends weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Lexus of Memphis. Here are your hosts, Brett Statz-Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you and joining us now to talk some Tiger football, some AAC football. Richard Cross from Sports Talk Mississippi, also ESPN announcer for AAC football. Richard, thanks so much for joining us. You were on the call this past weekend for Charlotte and Memphis. And I'm curious, how many Charlotte games have you done this year? I've watched a, a ton of them on ESPN Plus, and I feel like a, a lot. I've I've seen your name at the beginning. I've heard your voice. How many Charlotte games have you done this year? Uh, believe it or not, that was only the second. They really? Both, uh, they've both been in Charlotte, and when we uh, when we sat down with Biff Pogey before uh, the meeting, and uh, Taylor McCarg, my partner, reminded him that we had done the Navy game. He's like, "Hey, is there any way I can get another crew to come in? Because we were really, really bad that day." Uh, a little bit different story this past yeah. week, though. I mean, that, that Memphis Charlotte game last week, I, I was kind of looking through the scores from the entire country and the way games played out, and I can only come up with. Duke, North Carolina as being an overall more entertaining game last weekend than than what we had at Jerry Richardson Stadium. And, And what a good win for Memphis because it keeps everything alive. You you had a wild win and and, and you're closing Memphis wins. It it's really good. And I think at the end of the year at the at the team banquet that, that, that will that will resonate, that will really play a lot because that kept everything alive. As you as you said, during that game, when the Tigers fell behind, then when they were making the comeback, when when did you feel like they really had them? When the clock struck zero? Yeah, when when they got the stop of Charlotte in the first overtime period it felt like, okay, Memphis is probably going to figure out a way to get this done. You know, they trailed by 10, talking about Memphis, twice in the fourth quarter. Um, Charlotte has has had its issues defensively, and you knew that with a veteran like Seth Hennigan kind of as the trigger man, that Memphis was going to have a shot. But, you know, it was uh, Memphis didn't have an answer for, yeah. for, for the ground game from Charlotte. Um I'm sure Memphis fans probably have kind of figured this story out now, but the, the top two running backs for uh, for the 49ers were out. And this kid, Hassan Wilson, who had in his career one carry for four yards, goes for over 200 on the ground. It was like, where, where did he come from? <laughs> well, it turns out he was, you know, took a while to uh, come all the way back from an ACL, MCL, and PCL injury. Wow. But he... He played really, really well, and it was like Charlotte just kept going. You, you did wonder, was there enough enough in the tank to to kind of withstand it? But the other thing is, you knew Charlotte had some confidence going into the overtime because just a week earlier they had won an overtime at Tulsa. Um, you know, when it was all said and done, though, I, I thought the, the veteran leadership from, from Hennigan and, and Watson and some of those guys on the offensive line just really turned out to be the difference. Well, you mentioned Seth Hennigan, and in that game, he had to leave for for a series that turned into an interception by backup quarterback Tevin Carter. But Seth Hennigan, who's been dealing with injuries, there's been a lot of talk around here, especially early in the season, about his play. I think that has kind of leveled out. He's been playing really well as of late and was the, the AAC Offensive Player of the Week after that Charlotte performance. But what did you make of his game and being able to come back from that injury, getting banged up a little bit and leading the Tigers back to a victory? Well, that's 
let's pull out the cliche toolbox just for a second. Let's do. Go shoe, shoe leather, you know, tough <laughs> as a $2 steak. <laughs> however it is you want to him. Look, you, you watch Seth throw the football. It's it's not that he's got the prettiest motion. It's not that he throws the, the best spiral. But he gets it done. And and how many times have you heard the whole, well, son of a coach. Mm-hmm. But if you go a little bit deeper into his story, there was a, a story in the Commercial Appeal a couple of weeks ago that kind of detailed when he became the starter at Denton Ryan uh, you know, for his dad. His brother, Ian, his older brother, Ian, was supposed to be the starter his senior year. He had a shoulder injury, and Seth, I guess it was as a sophomore, came in, played so well, never never gave the job back, and finished at 39-2. and two. So he's been a winner his entire life. He's been around football. You talk to that Memphis coaching staff, and they, they talk about how, you know, it's like another coach on the field, that he's a, a film junkie, he's a football junkie, and he's confident, right? He's been in a lot of different situations. He's seen a lot of different things, and, and I thought really played well. He... I, Watching also the way his teammates reacted, Morgan Uber was our, our sideline reporter, and she said when he came out of the injury tent, he kind of shook his head, walked over his receivers, fist bumped him, and they immediately started throwing on the sideline. And it was like that kind of provided a lift for uh, for them psychologically, and then they went out and made plays. Richard, th- this this league that you have covered the, and you you know so well, look. N- Almost nobody out there is a defensive first league anymore. We know a lot of college football now. You got to hang on for dear life at the, by the chin, chinny chin chin at the 59, 55 second mark. That's just the way it is. But this league, a lot of scoring, uh, not a lot of defense. How good is it? You know, it's, it's certainly a different league than it was even a year ago, Brad. I mean, when, when you lose Cincinnati and you lose UCF, um, you lose, uh, I guess, SMU this coming year. Ha- haven't gone away yet. Um, that obviously takes some of the luster off from the top, but it's been a really competitive league. You know, UTSA making the move in uh, into the league this year is a really incredible story. Uh, they won back-to-back Conference USA titles. They haven't lost a regular season or postseason conference game. Going back to Conference USA, in over two years. I mean, they're, they're really rolling. To me, that matchup next weekend in New Orleans, I, I'm actually headed to Boca this weekend. I've got Tulane and FAU, and FAU has stumbled a little bit, but Tulane's been hanging on by a thread. And on the flip side of that, you got UTSA, who seems to be getting better and better each week, and they've got a, a quarterback that, that, Brad, I think he was at UTSA when you were still in high school. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're talking about Frank Harris. This is yeah. his seventh year in that program, and so they're an experienced team. I, I think at the top, I, I think when you're talking about UTSA, Tulane, Memphis, and SMU, you're talking about four really, really good football teams. Um they are not football teams who are perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but but those are the four that are, are different than everybody else in the league. The rest of it's competitive. Uh, I mean, you, you watched the Memphis-Charlotte game last yeah. week, and you realize, you know what, you, you better show up to play regardless of who the opponent is. Um, you, you've seen that with Tulsa a time or two, where they popped up and, and they've had a really good game. Navy's had a couple of performances where it's like, you know, this is a bad football team, and you're like, wait, how did how did that happen with Navy? Yeah. So, is the league great top to bottom? No, it's not. But I do think the four teams at the top of the league are really good. I think Frank Harris has only been at, at San Antonio since Santa Ana was vanquished from the Alamo. <laughs> Look, here, here's the thing. So, as a program, 
UTSA is 13 years old. That's right. He has been on that team Holy for seven Jesus. years. He has been on the team for more than half of Good that program. Lord, that's that great. That, that, that is a great note. Visiting with our friend Richard Cross from Sports Talk Mississippi. We are going to ask Richard about the opening at Mississippi State, but we want to talk primarily about the Tigers and their big game against SMU. So if it got down to a Memphis-Tulane rematch, I'm really going a few weeks out. I was at that game, the regular season game. How, how do you think that would play out? Well, I, I don't know that I'm ready to make a score prediction, but I will tell you Tulane is different than they were then. They are really, really banged up right now, especially at the receiver position. Uh, you know, we were talking about veteran quarterbacks a second ago when, when you talk about Seth Hennigan. Michael Pratt falls into the exact same conversation, and he's kind of yeah. willed them to some wins. Yeah, you know, not entirely different from Memphis from a season ago where they lose their top five pass catchers. Four of them transfer out. One of them, you know, just runs out of eligibility. Uh, you're talking about Ty J Spears not being on that Tulane roster from a season ago where he meant so much to that team. They are a different team than they were. The thing that has, has stood the test this season, though, for Tulane has been their defense. Um, they've been, been really good. I mean, if you go back to uh, the loss that Tulane has this year, which was to Ole Miss back in the, what, second or third week of the season, even in that game, that defense really stood stood in nicely yeah. and, and played well all season long. So even though they're really banged up on the offensive side, that defense has been good. And and it's got to be against Memphis if you end up with a rematch in, in that ball game because this Memphis team can score. Now, I'm not sure that Memphis can stop anybody consistently. You know, they, they didn't against Charlotte. They didn't against North Texas a couple of weeks ago. But they've been able to score enough to get it uh, to get it done and, and get the win. So it would be a really fascinating rematch, and it's going to be interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks if if Tulane is able to get a little bit healthier. They got to get over that hump against FAU, but then guys, that that Friday in New Orleans on the final weekend of the regular season where you got UTSA and Tulane, to me, that's the one to watch. Yeah, playoff game sure is. Mm-hmm. Richard, before we let you go, I, I got to ask you about Mississippi State. They made the decision um, uh, to to cut off uh, cut off ties with Zach Arnett. Fired him Monday morning. What did you make of that decision? And who are some names that you've heard, or who are some names that you think Mississippi State could go out and hire for their head coach? Well, I think in a lot of ways that decision made itself. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a really short amount of time, and and I don't think there's anybody that would argue that the the hand that Zach Arnett was dealt was a difficult one. Absolutely. Um, you know, b- because not only are you taking on in a tough situation where uh, we lose one of the great legends in the game and in, in Mike Leach, but you're talking about stylistically making a wholesale change that didn't work. Uh, and, and I think the thing that really stood out for Mississippi State fans. You know, not only was the offensive transition difficult, the defense took a step back. They lost a couple of pieces off that defense uh, a year ago. Emmanuel Forbes at the top of the list. They had a bunch of guys that played a lot of football that came back, and yet defensively they had some some games where they just really, really looked bad. I mean, there's no other way to spin it. Is they, they just look bad. And, and then you looked at sideline demeanor, and, you know, that's probably an overrated way of looking things, but it bothered people that, you know, Zach Arnett on the sidelines looked disengaged, and, and fans were kind of bailing. Uh, and I think it, it kind of left Zach Selman, the new AD, and Mark Keenum to uh, uh, to a certain degree as well as the president of the university in a spot where they felt like they absolutely had to make a change. But look, it's 
it's a hard time. I mean, I, I think we've seen with coaching transitions, it's harder than ever to not only hire a coach, but to hire a good coach, especially when the expectations are what they are because of the dollars that are being paid. You know, Mississippi State's probably going to have to pay five, six, seven million dollars for whoever their next head coach is a year, in addition to the staff. And I guess they're fortunate in the sense that the, the contract that Zach Arnett was operating under was not prohibitive in terms of being able to, you know, kind of get out of that financially. You know, there are a million names that are out there. Uh, obviously, there are a couple that are, are American conference coaches that stand out. Uh, Willie Fritz's name has been thrown around. Some people want to say, well, he's too old. We were talking about it on our show yesterday. He's 11 years younger than Nick Saban is. So, you know, maybe he's not too old after all. Uh, Tom Herman is a name. Jeff Trailer is a name. And, and those are just some of the hot names that are, you know, kind of all over college football. Sure. Feels like worth watching with, with Jamie Chadwell uh, at Liberty. He's done such a good job at Coastal Carolina. And, you know, he's got Liberty undefeated. Uh, you know, is, is that attractive to Jamie Chadwell? Or would he prefer to you know, kind of stay in the spot that he's in where he's making good money and, and pick an ACC job if that comes open somewhere down the line. I, I think it's going to be really fascinating to uh, to watch this one play out, you know, or, or some of the bigger names like like a Chris Kleiman or a, a Lance Seipold. Are, are those in play? I, I don't know. We're, we're going to – I guess we're going to watch Zach Selman earn his money at Mississippi State over the, uh, over the next couple of weeks. He tries to not only figure out who's a fit, but figure out who that they can can make happen financially, uh, and then, I mean, the the third piece of this, and and this is not unique to Mississippi State. How invested and how organized are you with the NIL piece? Yeah. And you know, there are folks at the Bulldog Initiative that say that they uh, think that they are ready to compete financially, and we'll see because that all factors into not just the decision of who a school wants to bring in, but when they're interviewing candidates, that's one of the first questions that a candidate's going to ask. Okay, where are we on the NIL front? So I'd love you to, to tell you, hey, this is who it's going to be. But yeah. honest answer is I don't know who it's going to be right now. Yeah, well, it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting job to keep an eye on, job opening to keep an eye on. But, Richard, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, let's do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Thank you so much. Richard Cross with us from Sports Talk Mississippi, and we do appreciate that. And he's been great this year on American oh, Athletic yeah. Conference games. He just had a, he's had a blast doing it and really learning this league, that being his beat, and he's thrown himself into it. And you could tell with the backstories, he's done a good job on on the knowledge of learning this league and, and the, the players in it. And I think it's a really good league. He, he does as well. And, and he, he, he alluded to not, maybe not so fast on putting Tulane in that AAC yeah. championship game with work to do and, you know, some tread coming off the tires late in the year with some injuries. The holiday season, it's here. Eating season is here. And we love doing it at Jason's Deli and all the soups, all the spreads, the breads, the cheeses, the meats, all so good at Jason's Deli. And they can bring it to you for your event or you can get it in, in bulk to go however you want it, bringing more to the table. It's a family thing for Jason's Deli, this group over 200 associates strong. They wish everyone happy Thanksgiving and happy holiday season. It's really now begun in full, in full tilt. 
and, and we love this time of year. They do. A variety of delicious choices for all three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner time for groups of five or 5,000. Check out the most popular choices or visit them online. Whatever you choose, you can always count on low delivery fees. Same day and last minute orders welcome. That's when they really excel. When you feel like you don't have your event planned just right, like all these office party events we're getting ready to go to, They've got you covered. All the foods free from dyes, artificial trans fats, and flavors. It's all good and good for you, whether to dine in, to go, or delivery. Wholesome food forever. It's a family thing. All, all those meals like the pasta feast, the plain Jane potato bar, all the soups that we love so much, all the salads we love so much, the working lunch, the deluxe client presentation lunch, the VIP meeting. They've got all that for you, whether it's the salads, like in every location, the great salad bar, over 30 items to choose from, and you can prepare it however you'd like, or the chicken club salad, the the taco salad, the chicken Caesar salad. Healthy, first franchise in the nation to be trans-fat-free. Catering anytime, anywhere. Locations at Ridgeway Road, Poplar and Highland, Olive Branch, and Cordova. Complimentary free ice cream in all those locations. Christmas tree going up soon in all those locations. Check them out online at jasonsdeli.com. Well, Brett, it was an ugly one last night in Los Angeles between the Grizzlies and the Lakers. But let's go ahead. We're late for a break. Let's get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the Grizzlies versus the Lakers last night. That's next on Sports Time. The Family Leisure Studio. We are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Lexus of Memphis. Here are your hosts, Brett Statz-Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. Brian and Brett in our family leisure studios. And we spent a lot of the first segment talking about the Grizzlies and their loss last night to the L.A. Lakers. It was a, a brutal loss, really, from start to finish. Brett, you mentioned it earlier. Um, last lead was you know, six to five or whatever it was. I mean, that's kind of how the night went and it doesn't really surprise me at all. But I really want to focus here the, the few minutes we have left in this hour. You brought it up at the start, but this road, I mean, this these next three or four games, these next four games more specifically, at San Antonio, your next game on Sun, on Saturday, next day at home against Boston, next Wednesday at uh, Houston against the Rockets, and then Friday you come back home against Phoenix um, to wrap up next week. I mean, that's any way you look at it, that is a, a tough four-game stretch. It is in that Boston game. That's not matinee. That's not a five o'clock start. That's a seven p.m. Yeah. start at FedEx Forum, and the Boston Celtics will really, you know, have a lot of fans out. And the mm-hmm. Grizzlies have, uh, you know, a great number of tickets sold. They'll have a lot of fans. Sure. Last night it, it was tough, and it only gets tougher because, you know, six minutes in or six minutes of play, Luke Kennard yeah. gets hurt, uh, and then eight minutes of play, Marcus Smart gets hurt. Uh, 22 minutes of play, Jaron Jackson's feelings get hurt, <laughs> as he was awful last night. Yeah, yeah, it was it was one of those matchups where uh, Jaron wasn't wasn't great, and Anthony Davis was really good last night. And um, don't, don't don't you know the Lakers have to be thinking 
and this is the team that was in our face last April, talking well, stuff to us. Well, and I don't know if uh, you. I guess you didn't. You didn't stay up uh, till after the game, and, and you know I don't know if you've seen it today, but after the game on uh, on uh, I think SVP maybe or maybe it was after the game on Lakers post game or something like that. But Anthony Davis was interviewed somewhere, and he was asked, uh, "Well, you know, you and LeBron, y'all sat out the entire fourth quarter. I mean, when's the last time y'all were able to sit out for an entire fourth quarter?" And Anthony Davis goes, "Last time we played him. Yeah, I think it was last." Time we played the Grizzlies, and yeah. I mean, it's, it's that was forty. True. I mean, yeah, yeah, it is true. And I mean, that's just how uh, kind of lopsided. As much as we wanted to kind of tout this thing up of, oh, we're getting the Lakers, and it's going to be a great series. It's been pretty lopsided in, in, in all of the contests. The difference in the Grizzlies when the ball went in the air that Sunday afternoon of Game One, as that playoff series was zero yep. zero, ball goes in the air. To now, unrecognizable. Oh, man. Oh, completely different team, Brett. I mean, this this doesn't look anything like the, that those playoff teams. But, you know, a tough next four games for the Grizzlies, and we'll see how they, how they fare Saturday um, when they go down to San Antonio. Before we get to a break, I know people are looking for a place to, to watch a game, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow night with the NBA slate, the college football slate, the college basketball slate, a lot going on. I know you're looking for a spot, so let me point you into the direction of Bell Tavern, located at 117 Barbaro Alley, right behind 117 Prime. Open from 4 to 11, Wednesday through Saturday, and 4 to 8 on Sundays. Look, I know nobody likes a loud bar where you can't hear yourself think, much less talk, but that's the opposite of Bell Tavern. Start your night with a gourmet burger and one of their great cocktails in a quiet, dimly lit bar that you can enjoy a game at with your friends. And it's not just the burgers. Bell Tavern has the best bar food in Memphis and the coldest beer in the city. You know 117 Prime. Just walk through their dining room and you're at the best bar in town. For more information about our friends at Bell Tavern, call 901-249-6580. That's 901 901- Two four nine six five eight zero, or go online to belltavern.com. Well, I'll do it for our first hour. Let's get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk college football with David Cohn. <laughs> 